This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Kim Walpole, co-founder and CEO of Trials.ai. We are on a mission to get treatments to patients faster. We do that by leveraging artificial intelligence to optimize clinical trial protocols. What we're doing is essentially developing technology that really brilliant research teams can use to construct their protocols from the ground up. So a major problem for life science companies is that about, you know, almost 50% of their clinical trials are failing because of poorly designed protocols. What ends up happening is that billions of dollars get squandered in preventable mistakes. You know, I had spent over 12 years consulting pharma and biotech companies and loved my work. And then, gosh, about four years ago now, my best friend Paul was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And that was, you know, that that wake up moment for me where I realized, okay, why are we continuing to approach this process in such a you know traditionally manual way? Why are we not using smarter technologies to make this smarter, faster, easier? This is Kim. She's an organizational development and management consultant skilled in helping individuals, groups, and organizations increase their effectiveness. Her work with companies like Pfizer, Merck, and Homeland Security gives her a unique perspective on leadership development, strategy, and organizational growth. Throughout her career, she has founded multiple companies, Optimum Training and Consulting in 2004, Wembley in September of 2011, and in 2016, her third company, Trials.ai, after her best friend was diagnosed with terminal cancer and died waiting for a promising treatment. What began as a passion project has turned into a mission-driven, venture-backed startup that is turning the clinical trial ecosystem on its head. Kim is on a mission to build AI-enabled technology to help research organizations optimize the clinical trial protocols for speed and success, because patients don't have the time to wait. And that inspired me, hence I invited her to my podcast. We explored a big problem around planning and executing clinical trials, and how, by blending technology and people in the right way, major breakthroughs can be created. During our conversation, we uncover a number of important lessons to accelerate innovation at large. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, 
that it's helpful to make broken processes more efficient, but even more valuable if you fix the root cause. Secondly, that falling in love with the big idea can grow blind spot and bias inside your organization. And that is dangerous. And as such, it's critical to build your secret weapon. So Kim, welcome on my podcast and yeah, making the time available today. Absolutely. So glad to be here. So that's good. It took some time for us to get the, the, the schedule going, but I found you, I'm not sure, I think it was in one of the emails that I received around, no, no, news around AI. And I got triggered with, your, with, with the purpose behind your company, which is you're on a mission to bring treatments, treatments to patients faster. Dear to my heart, I already had a couple of people from, that are in the health space on my podcast. And what I'm eager to hear is yeah, everything about your solution and how it's actually helping yeah, people survive and also hopefully do something with, discuss a little bit how this actually augments people in, in the, the healthcare sector itself. But before we start, if you would describe yourself as a person, what would be the, the three words? Oh, good questions. I would say determined, passionate, and probably results-oriented. I think those are, I mean, my friends would say that I'm friendly and, you know, all of those other things as well. But I think when I think of myself, I think I'm pretty determined, passionate. Okay. Well, that's, these are very good words to describe yourself as an entrepreneur, I would say. So talking a little bit about your company, Trails.ai, or is it Trails? Trials, yes. Trials.ai. Trials. That's yeah. okay. Trials. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always interested to understand what is the big idea behind this? Sure. So to your point, you know, we are on a mission to get treatments to patients faster. We do that by leveraging artificial intelligence to optimize clinical trial protocols. So if you're not, you know, terribly familiar with clinical trials, every trial that is run by, you know, pharma, biotech, device companies, nutraceuticals, and so on, they're required to have a, a roadmap for how you're actually going to run the trial, who's, who can participate, who cannot, what are the different you know, sites and locations that you're going to be rolling the trial out in, what are the different you know, activities and so on. And so mm-hmm. there's that roadmap that essentially is signed off by regulatory bodies saying, okay, this is an appropriate you know, approach to how you're going to run this trial. So that's, that's the actual clinical trial protocol. And, yeah. and what we're doing is essentially developing technology that really brilliant research teams can use to construct their protocols from the ground up. Okay, so research teams in pharma, I guess, right? Sure, research teams in pharma, biotech, as well as med tech or med device industry as well. Yeah, so what is, what is broken in that, in that whole process? I mean, to me, it sounds like, okay, you're creating technology to, have to make that easier, but something likely is, there's something bigger going on likely. Absolutely, so a major problem for life science companies is that about, you know, almost 50% of their clinical trials are failing because of poorly designed protocols. And I think when we often, you know, talk about failed clinical trials or why certain treatments aren't making it to market, we generally think, oh, it was because of a lack of efficacy. But the reality is that, you know, while we can't fix the efficacy problem, we can certainly speak to the poorly designed protocol. So, you know, really not understanding the patient population or making the actual interactions or the trial interactions too difficult 
for patients to engage in or too arduous. So they either don't want to engage or they say, yes, I will. And then as they're going through the process, it becomes too difficult. And so they fall off. Those are just some yeah. of the challenges with poorly designed protocols. And what yeah, ends up happening is that billions of dollars get squandered in preventable mistakes. Yeah. And from what I can understand or from what I think it, it, about it is that, I mean, people die unnecessary. Absolutely. And, you know, I think when you're talking with entrepreneurs, it's, we all have our own story. Why did we start, you know, our companies? What was that passion behind, you know, that process? And for me, yeah. you know, I had spent over 12 years consulting pharma and biotech companies and loved my work. And then, gosh, about four years ago now, my best friend, Paul, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And unfortunately, yeah, it was probably, you know, it's one of those moments in life where you think everything's going well and, you know, life is looking great. And suddenly you're hit with a very real, you know, situation. He went to the doctor with a stomach ache and came out with five months to live. And it was brutal. He called me and essentially said, look, I know, you know, folks in the space, is there any way you can get me into a clinical trial? And frankly, I thought, sure, you know, I'll reach out to friends. I'm sure there's something available. And I, I, to some extent, felt some sort of empowerment because I had relationships in the industry. But really, when I started to reach out to folks, they were saying the same thing over and over, which was, you know, there were a few promising treatments, but by the time they got trial ready, they would be gone or, or Paul would be gone. And unfortunately, about eight months later, he passed away. And, and that was, you know, that, that wake up moment for me where I realized, okay, why are we continuing to approach this process in such a, you know, traditionally manual way? Why are we not using smarter technologies to make this smarter, faster, easier? Well, good for you to, uh, to pick this up because this is at the end, not something that's only about your, big, your dear friend, but it's something that's going to help anyone in the world with these type of situations. So, I mean, you created a product. Is it, it's already available, right? It is available. We are working with a few big pharma companies. We tested on a few smaller companies and now we're, we're commercializing. Very good. So what I'm always interested in, in since I'm yeah, coming from the, the, well, in this case, the business software world, but at the end, the software world in general, mm -hmm. what did you do with the product that, that makes this remarkable compared to the, to the alternatives? That's a great question. So, you know, in today's world, this is an incredibly manual process. So folks, the way they're, they're constructing their protocols today is, you know, either if they're in, in a pharma company, they've got large teams and then they're outsourcing to consultants. And it, it's a very long, manual, you know, arduous process for constructing these. They're going online. They're looking at previously run studies. They're talking with key opinion leaders. It's, it takes a long time. And so what our, you know, technology does essentially is consume massive amounts of data related to clinical trials. And so that could be anything from, you know, historic clinical trials. So looking at, at what's been successful and what has not been successful in the clinical trial space, also medical journals and clinical data, and then also looking forward to what, you know, key opinion leaders are saying in terms of how we can minimize or mitigate a lot of the arduous nature of the actual clinical trial itself. So for, in, in, for instance, if you could use, you know, IOT devices to make it easier for patients not to necessarily have to go into a hospital 
to get yeah. tests done or if you could use smart injectors and so on telemedicine and things like that. So it's, yeah. it's basically incorporating historic data and then looking forward at what could be and bringing recommendations to research teams on how to better construct their protocols. Interesting. And what are the, uh, the early results of that? Yeah. So, you know, a few things that we've been focusing on recently is helping predict costly protocol amendments, which are basically changes to the protocol before they start. So things that we can predict in advance, recommending best recruitment and retention strategies. One of the things that we use is our, we've got a patent pending on a patient burden index. And essentially that takes a multifactorial approach to, you know, how difficult are the interactions that you're setting up in this protocol, how difficult is it going to be on potential subjects in yeah. this trial that you're constructing? And then what is the result of that? So if it becomes more difficult, will it be more difficult to recruit or potentially more difficult to retain patients? So, so using that patient burden index. And then you know, another is optimizing the testing and treatment for speed and for cost. So one of the things that has been interesting in the industry is that, you know, probably over the last 10 to 15 years, there have been more and more and more tests added to the actual trial itself that are not necessarily vital to the outcome of the trial, just more uh -huh. or less, okay, let's go ahead and, and, and get these bits of information just in case. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, those additions make it much more difficult for folks to engage in the trial itself. It means they have to go to a potentially to a hospital more often or get more blood work taken and so on. Yeah. So really the system is optimizing those testing and treatments and saying this is what the likelihood is that the, the, this is the, recommend, the recommended testing and treatment regimen. And you can certainly, you know, as a research team, based on your knowledge, make a critical, you know, thinking decision and say, okay, we're going to override the recommendation of the system, but at least you have those recommendations. And one thing, you know, that I think makes our technology very unique, particularly in this space, is that we also provide the why behind the recommendations. So it's not a black box type of approach. It certainly is supportive. I say it's the best second opinion that a research team yeah. could ever have in constructing their protocol. So it's, it's actually recommending things. It's prescribing the next action, so to say. Exactly. Based on, so, you know, I very, very loosely say that it's like a, a TurboTax type of experience where it asks initial questions up front and, and takes in initial information and based on those data points begins to provide recommendations for each protocol section. And as right. I mentioned, you know, the team can certainly accept or reject them. And of course, the system gets smarter as, as folks are using it and, and providing additional information. Yeah, this is this. Yeah, this is likely developed as a as sort of a global system, so that every time new trials get through it, it gets smarter and smarter and smarter. Exactly. Yeah, so it's not done for one particular pharma or for another one. Right. Yeah, we're working with you know across the industry. This is a global type of engagement, and we've been engaging with big pharma more recently, and it's been really exciting for us. Can imagine. So, where is it the the biggest? impact going to be? Is that going to be in the, the speed by which this can start up so that you can actually start faster and, well, hopefully get still get people that need it into a trial? Or is it going to be making sure that, that the trial itself is going to be more efficient and faster to finish? 
That's a good question. I mean, I think because we are an early stage startup, we're, we're in those initial, you know, phases where we're saying, okay, yeah. we need to measure customer value here as we're engaging. I can say, you know, we had worked with a small startup company, a device company, and they had already, they had already produced their own protocol. And they essentially said, can you run our protocol through your system and then provide us a threat and opportunity scan. So is there something we may have missed or, you know, is there something we may have done wrong or that, that you can highlight where we might want to make some changes? And so we had worked alongside them in that process. And actually, you know, the system in that particular instance, it was a very simple feedback, but it, it could have had very large implications negatively for them. And, and in their case, it was that another study had been done almost exactly like theirs, or had been tried to be, to be done almost exactly like theirs and had failed regulatory approval because of their inclusion exclusion criteria. So essentially who can participate, who can't. And so we took those data to the customer and said, look, here's what we found. You can certainly accept or reject that recommendation, but, but you know, we, we wanted to make sure that you understood that this could be a potential problem for you down the road. And frankly, they said, look, we very manually had looked at the data that was available to us. We had seen that other folks had used those inclusion exclusion, but frankly, they didn't point to their primary or secondary endpoints. So they actually removed them. And then we ended up, that was, oh gosh, probably about, oh, maybe eight, nine months ago now. And then we ended up getting a ended up getting a text from them letting us know that they had gotten their 510k approval, that they had no problems with the regulatory powers that be in that particular instance. And so for them, you know, a company that had raised capital in order to prove that, you know, their hypothesis in this, this first trial that they were running, it was a big deal because it, had they failed, they would, they either would have had to put a stop to it or go out and raise additional capital. And of course, they're, they're having to answer to their stakeholders, their shareholders. So yeah. it was a big deal for them. Yeah, I can imagine. So you get your first wins. So, yeah. I mean, on the journey of the product, I mean, if I hear the, 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 the impact of it and the, yeah, what you have to deal with, I mean, how do you start in terms of defining what the product needs to be all about? Right. So there's currently, you know, right now, protocols are, how can I say it? There, there's a, there are templates out there that folks have uh -huh. been using. There are requirements, information that must be, must be put in a protocol. And so... There, there's a construct already there. What we're doing yeah, is... Already, yeah, the process, of course, has already been there for years. Exactly. Protocols have yeah. been, you know, been constructed for years. And now it's really, how do we make this process not just easier on the folks that are generating the protocols, but, but how do we combine data from a multitude of sources to be able to present it in a palatable way? I mean, I think in, in our conversations, it's It's like we're living in this digital age and humans can't physically read and digest every bit of information that's relevant to any given decision. So we've got all of these, you know, data that are available publicly, but then also, you know, large organizations in particular have dark and siloed data that is not being used or that they don't even know that they have. And so really what Trials AI is doing is you know, leveraging state-of-the-art natural language processing and, and natural language understanding tools to mine massive amounts of source documents from both public and customer assets 
And then we've developed our own proprietary clinical trials ontology that allows us to get really granular Uh in terms of understanding the information that's coming in. And then those data become the foundation for, you know, insights and machine learning recommendations for our customers. Yeah. So you, you, you're leveraging technology that's already available and you've, yeah, you're creating your own technology that helps you differentiate and, and make the impact. Right. So we're using, you know, state-of-the-art technologies and then we're developing our own as well. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting. I think in our, in the environment right now, there are so many new modern you know, methodologies and ways that people are approaching this. And so we're trying to, to stay as up to date as, as, you know, absolutely possible in being able to provide, you know, really great algorithms to provide recommendations. Exactly. This, this is an area in itself to be, to keep up to date with. I mean, I noted absolutely. myself by, from all the people that I'm interviewing here. <laughs> true. So from the process of developing, what, what decision appeared to be a, a really important decision for you? In terms of maybe clarify the question, I'm not sure that I understand what you're asking. Well, I mean, some sometimes you're 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 on your vision, you know where you need to go, um, right. but of course there is different different routes or different uh, different ways to get to to where you want to be. And sometimes right. there's a kind of this one decision that that really puts you on the right path and that accelerates the whole trajectory mm. of it. Sure, it's interesting. We had initially started, you know, our our mission has always been to get treatments to patients faster. And the how we were going to do that has changed over time. And so when we initially started developing technology, it was to on the trial execution side. So it was, you know, how do we help research teams actually run their clinical trials? And then last year, so we, we had started, you know, there And we saw some good initial traction. And it was very interesting for me going back to, you know, peers in pharma and saying, hey, here's our technology, you know, are you interested? And they were saying, you know, it looks great, but frankly, you know, there are so many technologies on the trial execution side and we're all trying new technologies, but we're all still using older, you know, technologies like no one had ever been fired for using an Oracle you know, system, even Uh though it was certainly more arduous. And at the time, I had been really, really processing this idea of moving further upstream and focusing on the clinical trial protocol. So we had some efforts going on in that vein. And I started just talking about it, you know, with, with folks and saying, what if we could help if we could go further upstream and we could actually fix the root cause of the problems in the execution? What would that mean? Let me make a small interruption here. Kim just made an excellent remark about how she's challenging the status quo, and instead of trying to make yet another incremental improvement to the way we execute a process, she's solving the problem altogether by attacking the root cause. With that, she's creating new value possibilities. And this is a key trait of a remarkable software company. It's a trait you can master as well. It starts by understanding how your company scores on the five-star remarkable index. And from there, you can start to close the gap. To do this, simply go to valueinspiration.com slash remarkable index. Back to the interview. You know, if we could help predict costly amendments, if we could, you know, help define your target population and provide better recruitment and retention strategies and so on. And that seemed to, you know, really get traction. People were like, right now we're using Microsoft Word you know, to construct 
our protocols and emails back and forth and things like that, that's something that that would be very interesting. And so we've yep. pivoted last year to focus solely on protocol design. And I, I've seen that, you know, it's, it's a challenge, I think, for every entrepreneur. You know, you start your dream and you're building out your technology and you've spent time and effort and money, you know, building and then come to realize, oh, wow, you know, we're, we're building something that's valuable, but maybe not as valuable as we thought. And there's a greater yep. opportunity. So I think that that was probably the most crucial, critical decision and, and a very difficult one for myself. I spent countless nights, you know, thinking, oh, goodness, how am I going to go back to our investors and, and to our staff and, and say, okay, well, you know, while we did a really good job here, I think that the real opportunity is further upstream. But we have, while it was the most difficult decision that I've had to make, it has actually been the most pivotal, no pun intended, <laughs> decision that we've made in the company and has really, you know, just been a, I would say a, a catalyst for where we're at now, you know, and folks are really interested in this space and have an appetite for it. So it's been exciting, but it was not an easy decision by any stretch. No, I can imagine. But I can also believe that while you're making the decision, it then started to, yeah, I mean, the, the whole vision then really started to become alive about what the impact that you, that you could really make. Right. And that was it. You know, we had been thinking, okay, if we fix the execution side, you know, we realized in this moment of kind of, you know, the aha moment, I guess, that if we went further upstream, we could preempt a lot of the challenges that folks were facing that we had experienced personally as we were working alongside, you know, trial sponsors that were running clinical trials using our technology. And we were, you know, more often than not, having to come back and either consult with them and say, oh, wow, you know, you're probably going to need to do, you know, it looks like an amendment is going to be appropriate because X, Y, Z in your trial. And so, you know, having experienced that firsthand pain and then, you know, looking at it from a technology perspective and how we could leverage, you know, historic data, as well as, like I said, you know, future data, or, or I shouldn't even say future, but but, but looking forward and marrying those two, we really realized that there was an opportunity for us to change the way that clinical trials were actually run and executed. Really good point. Yeah, this, because we've always done it in a certain way. It doesn't have to be that it's, it's done faster or smarter. I mean, you start looking at the outcome here, and that is, that's fascinating. Absolutely. So, I mean, I've been, I'm currently writing, the, doing the final phases to my first book. It's called The Remarkable Effect, and it's, it's a book about the 10 traits of a remarkable software company. Since you are running one, what do you believe is, is a secret to, to run a, a remarkable software company? Oh, you know, one of our core values, and I think that it really is the secret to the folks that I have spoken to, and, and people say it in different ways, but we articulate it in, you know, a phrase called insatiable curiosity. And okay. I think that, you know, for a software company, it's very easy for you to, you know, kind of have a, a way that you want to approach a technological way that you want to solve a problem. But because of the advances in technology, gosh, even over the last year, you know, I think that maintaining a state of curiosity, not just in technology, but certainly all around is for me, I would say the one attribute that sets folks apart from, you know, people that just build technology is, you know, yeah. we're doing something that's really unique because we're constantly pushing the boundaries and asking ourselves, you know, is this 
the, not just the right way, is this the best way? And then looking five years down the line and, and really trying to predict where the industry is going to go. And I think that the only way that you can do that is by, you know, maintaining that insatiable curiosity all around. It's a dedicated chapter in my book. So I completely agree with you. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm glad to hear yeah. it. So, so what are you most proud of achieving so far? Just to get to, uh, to finalize this call. I think, you know, so far for me, it is building something of importance, of value. I think when we start to look at what Trials AI does, it's, it's much less about, you know, the technology and much more about the problems that we're solving. And they're really important problems. And, and I think, you know, this is my third company. And I have often said to our team, and I will say that my team would probably be very close there on the top, but we often talk about this idea of we are a mission-driven company, and that affords us some really interesting opportunities in that, you know, folks in the medical field generally will get involved because they're passionate about, you know, some aspect of the medical field. And, and we you know, bring technology and the medical world together and provide an opportunity for really smart, you know, folks that are, you know, data scientists that are interested in making the world a better place. And, and our story, I guess, in my opinion, affords us an opportunity to have really, really great people come alongside us, not just to work for us, but also to to support our efforts, whether it's as employees or mentors or, you know, investors and and just friends, you know, out there in the, in the world of technology, as well as, you know, on, on the medical side. So I think that that's what gets me most excited and, and what I feel really proud about. I can imagine. So what is next for you? What is your biggest aspiration? Oh, goodness. You know, to be honest, I think at this point for me is seeing this company get to a point where we really are where our technology makes a, a vast difference and a vast improvement in the space. Beyond that, you know, of course, you know, as a, as a human being, I want, you know, to see really good things, things kind of from my perspective, I don't know how quite to say it, but maybe to see the good in people, you know, maybe come out more. But I think, you know, in terms of a company, for us, it is vital that we continue in our pursuit of getting, you know, treatments to patients faster. And we don't know what that will necessarily look like from a technology perspective in the next, you know, five years, or even from a company perspective, but we are very much have our blinders on, you know, and, and are very focused on, you know, getting our technology out to market and making sure that it does what it says that, you know, that, that it can do, yeah. or that we say that it can do. Well, I mean, I mean, in this world, it's never finished. And there's always, like right. you said, it's, it's not about the right thing, whether it's the right approach, but it, is it the best approach? And that part about being right or being the best, it's always evolving. So. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's how we look at this process. And, and we've learned, you know, as I mentioned, through our pivot, it, we realize that we have to hold the methodology lightly, although yeah. we stay very firm to our mission and our vision and our purpose. And so even though we take it very seriously, we are not married to the way that we are thinking about it today. And we're going to continue to, you know, grow with the ecosystem and evolve as a company as appropriate as we're moving forward. Cool. So where can people go to find out more about trails and say hi to you? 
Yes. So they can visit our website at trials.ai. That's www.trials.ai. And they can also, you know, shoot us over an email at info at trials.ai. Happy to respond to any questions. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Kim, for your big contribution today. It was inspiring to me. I I learned a great, great number of things. So good luck with your company. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's the same on my side. And I'm sure my audience copied me on that. And talking about that, for those that are listening, please share your thoughts about this episode and ask the key question that's bubbling up right now. And beyond that, if this inspired you, please pass it on to other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network and inspire them yourself. Other than that, thanks for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Kim Walpole, co-founder and CEO of Trials.ai. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.